Welcome to Perspectives, a podcast by Essence Learning LLC, and a place where leaders learn from leaders. Let's join today's episode. Welcome everyone to Essence Learning Podcast, um, Perspectives. So excited for this new episode that we have coming up and, and the guests that we have here. We're going to talk about the evolution of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Um, and I couldn't think of three better uh, panelists to help share in this conversation. And I'm going to give some room for them to introduce themselves and to share a little bit about what they do in this space. But I first want to first thank you guys for being here. Um, I, I am I'm humbled by by you being a part of this. Very exciting. And I was sharing before we got started, I was hoping I didn't get real sentimental about it because it really does touch me. And I'm very passionate about the fact, the space, and then to have you all here to help share in this conversation. So the evolution of diversity, equity, inclusion in, in, in the workplace, what I'd like for us to do is just to have a real conversation about it, what you know, where it started. And so as you start to introduce yourselves, just go ahead and share that. We'll, um, uh, and share your perspective of how you got started in this space. And then we'll continue the conversation around, you know, how, where it started and how it's impacting uh, the world around us today. So I'm going to get started. I'm going to ask uh, April to get us started and share a little bit about yourself and how you got into this space. And Sure. My name is April Thomas. I am the Chief Solutions Officer for SDMS 360, and that's Strategic Diversity Management Solutions 360. And how I got started in the space is uh, through my father, Dr. Roosevelt Thomas Jr., who um, is held, considered the father of diversity and diversity management. And upon his passing, I decided to um, continue to run his business. And so it's been a pleasure. It's been a great learning experience and along the way getting to meet um, people such as yourself, Valerie, and of course, working with Dr. Holmes and Ruben, it's a pleasure to meet you. And thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. Okay, Ruben, let's let's hear from you if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And thank you for the invitation. Excited to be here with you all. Uh, my name is Ruben Gonzalez. Um, I work for a large um, healthcare company. Um, we help lead a global DEI strategy for 66,000 employees across uh, this wonderful world that we're in. Um, and I first came into the space by means of recruiting. So, you know, I, I've loved to see how we've progressed from DEI being a cute to have, nice to have, to it being a fundamental strategic thing that we embed as part of an organization. And um, I'm happy to be sharing this conversation with y'all. Thank you, Ruben. And to my friend, Dr. Holmes, welcome. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Holmes. Um, I am an independent consultant now, kind of in my third round of retirement. Um, I actually got recruited, I, I'm here by accident in a way, um, but I met Dr. Thomas when I was working in North Carolina for the Center for Creative Leadership. We were um, invited by a major corporation to do a program for their senior executive teams. And um, so uh, Dr. Thomas, an, a third consultant and a 
consultant from the center were asked by this um, client to put a put this program together and the people that the the client wanted from the center were not available for the dates that they had already established so they reluctantly said well could you do it (laughs) (laughs) so i was like of course you know so that's how i got invited but in in doing that program so i was there for the leadership portion of it and um and of course dr thomas was there for the diversity management portion of it and so that's how i got to meet him and following it was a two-year project so at the end of that project he asked if i would come and work with him um, as a consultant so i did on the journey for a while then thank you all for those interactions and so when we think about for, for some of us who are just getting introduced into the diversity equity inclusion space for some of those audience members who are just now learning about it uh, for some who are just becoming aware of the real value and the need, um, I think we know that that's not a new thing, right? This has been something that's ongoing. Share with me what has been the evolution. I think you know when we when we thought about this topic, we talked about it from starting in 1960 with the civil rights and evolving uh, through the the uh, social realm and now now it's in the workplace. Kind of talk to me, if you will, uh, how you've experienced it through that evolution. Either any one of you. And we just make it a conversation. Just jump in. I don't need to call and you just kind of jump in and, and let's have this conversation. Well, I can tell you for me, it was, it, it was truly an evolution because as I said, I was only ever introduced to it as a subject um, at the Center for Creative Leadership. And my association with Dr. Thomas um, actually led to my doing a very small portion of one of our leadership programs. Um, on diver- we, the, we incorporated diversity training into one of our standard leadership programs and I was asked to do that. Um, and it wasn't very much and it wasn't, you know, we, it was a five day program. I think I had maybe a morning, um, you know, of that time. Um, and I was doing some very basic um, stuff, trying to simply distinguish diversity management from affirmative action um, for these uh, organizational leaders. Um, but in going to going through the program that I described earlier, where we worked on uh, for another client, I learned how Dr. Thomas was talking about diversity. Um, and he seldom would say diversity, he would always say diversity management, because he saw the term diversity would generate so much negativity in people's minds that um, he was trying to make people understand or help people understand that this is a discipline, that you can learn how to manage diversity. Um, most people were talking about having it and he was talking about managing it. And that, that to me was like the first distinction yeah. that was really clear to me. Um, That's revolutionary right there. If you just kind of think about the idea that we're not managing the people, the diverse people, we're managing the tension or the existence between the two. Exactly. And so I don't I try to change you as an individual or manage you 
as individuals. I'm just trying to manage the differences that exist between us that may be causing us some friction or tension, right? Right. And that was exactly. just, you know, you know, oh, that's what we're doing. You know, yeah. I'm not doing yeah. representation. I'm managing yeah. the tension between the two of us. Then it was like, okay, we could do that, right? Yeah. So that was, yeah. you're right. That was that was one of those um, turning points. I think it, in many it was. Our, it was, uh, and it was very different from what I knew once I got involved in the subject itself, and I was seeing other people deliver diversity programs. Um, they were primarily what we used to dub shame and blame programs where they would invite mostly white men to the mm. classes. Yeah. It was almost like targeted for white males because they were leaders of the organization. And the, the popular, the more, I should say, the more well-known programs and deliverers of such programs were really, you know, shaming and blaming. And, and it was very negative. Uh, but Dr. Thomas's approach was just totally from a business perspective. It was very, very different and not, interestingly enough, very well received in the diversity community among the diversity practitioners because they were focused primarily on having diversity. So it was a representation focus and a, and a social justice focus. I don't wanna diminish what they, they were doing. They were trying to right some wrongs, yes. you know, from a social justice standpoint, but they were not connecting it to why it was important to the business. There's part of that evolution that we've seen that you just kind of talked about. So if we kind of pause right there to say, it started uh, with the idea that we need to right some wrongs. Mm -hmm. Also understood that there took some disciplines and some principles that we needed to apply in order to make everybody involved in it. This is the shame and the blame kind of thing. Exactly. I love it. So now we're at the point where we're not thinking about just representation in this walk, right? We've kind of walked a little bit more further and we, now we're thinking about equity and inclusion. How did how did that evolve, and how I want to add to how you saw that evolution um, as as we, we you know we, we move from representation, and now we're kind of moving ourselves towards what's this new thing, equity and inclusion? Because this is no longer just a diversity program that we're in, like you said incorporating in some training. We're now having some real discussion about how do we manage it. What's right. what's this all about? Right. Anybody want to add to that? To add to the evolution. Well, I think when I came in, you know, I came in in 2013. So what I was uh, thinking about when I first heard about equity, I always heard it in the context of an, of an educational setting. I always, the context that I heard it was like, that was the framework that institutions were trying to um, approach diversity and inclusion. They added the equity component um, to it. And that's when I as I was trying to grab, you know, understand just as a newbie in this space, what does all this mean? That was my understanding of equity. But then, you know, it's expanded beyond just from an equity perspective. When in, in, uh, from what I, you know, the little bit that I knew about the co colleges, but to um, find out equity in terms of say pay um, between men and women, between different of uh, different races, you know, there's a difference. Like men, women make seven seventy cents for every dollar or something that men make, 
those kind of stats to even now Elizabeth and I were talking earlier and which you've mentioned health equity. So just, I think the broader we begin to expand, I think for me, what I, I would even go back before the 1960s because it's something, this is something new that I learned that if you go back to the constitution, the basis for the U.S. Constitution is what I've heard this thing called the Doctrine of Discovery. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but it basically was a papal bull. This is my—I just learned about this like a couple months ago. But a papal bull that basically gave Europe, white Europe, Western uh, Europeans, if you go to any place and they're not—they aren't Christians, you can take their land and you can enslave them. And it became basically the foundation for Western law, particularly in the U.S. And so you fast forward to the Constitution you notice that there's no law saying that, I mean, basically equates to white male, the white male being the standard or kind of the it and everybody else is less than. And I see the laws that we're passing as attempts to restore people back to that same standard, to that kind of standard of, by law, what was established by kind of papal decree that's established for the white male. Mm -hmm. in the sense of you you are because you are everybody else is trying to get to that place of you are through the law and i think that is for me that's why the, we, you mentioned like um in the preview of the questions the different laws that have passed the equal pay right. Um, right. and i think they're all efforts to restore people back to restore everybody else back to a place of wholeness yeah. where the, the constitution had declared right. that we weren't whole whether you're female whether you're black whether you're and then the different throughout the generations multiple people who would come to the native country irish italian and then never mind the, the modern immigration patterns of um, latinx and further people from other african countries and so i see it as in that sense I, my point is that as we begin to expand the scope of who's who needs to be restored back to this, what we've established and set up as the standard. I'm not saying that it should be the standard, but that's what it is at this moment. That it's the, that's when the conversation begins to expand of what are we looking at? That's why you have equity that comes in and you've got um, inclusion and you've got belonging, you've got justice. There's so many places where everybody except for the white male and even their places where white males aren't at that standard of white, whatever that standard right, has been abilities yeah. right and yeah. so, so are, are you are you basically saying then that we've evolved but now we see that more that we have the conversation around per se equity and including this diverse population you know this all this diversity mixtures that we're looking at all the different uh dimensions of diversity now we need equity to be almost a, a, a reinforcement of not going back to that those old laws what do you what do you see the role of equity in that, in that, what you described, I, I think that was a uh, a huge point that you made. That you know, history can repeat itself. Basically, if we're not in step with uh, kind of righting the wrongs and keeping diligent about righting those wrongs, and so I, I think of equity as you as you just talked about there as being that that whole that that whole fast that you know, and everybody has fair and equal rights, and if, if fair and equal rights aren't there. We can, that's our standard, regardless of whether you're white male or whether you're, you know, Hispanic, whatever, Hispanic uh, origin, whatever. Our standard is fair and equal opportunities, and when yeah. that doesn't line up, we have equity to help have that conversation. That that that's not what we're trying to do here, guys. We're trying to, you know, otherwise we 
you know, we would be um, kind of going in a cycle if we didn't have that standard. So I think we're putting equity in place to be that 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 standard or that compass for us. Right. Because, yeah. Yeah. Can you see? So we, we've evolved to that because diversity is here. And then now we kind of evolved to that compass to, to what you were bringing up. April. Yeah, I think it's something that has to keep. And I think, you know, there'll be other elements that we recognize in our attempts to make that align. There are things that we see that we don't have language for that will neck down the road, we'll probably add something else. And I think the challenge, it's not a challenge, it's just what is, like you said, that standard, what is that standard? Because it can't be based around a, it shouldn't be based around a people. And it shouldn't be, ideally it wouldn't be around the law, you know, because laws, can, right. I remember when I, you know, thinking about the 19th, the Civil Rights Act, I was like, okay, or that can be undone. The Loving mm -hmm. Act, they're talking about now with changing the abortion law, that can be undone. Everything can be undone by law. So how do you, what is it that we get to that people just are, as opposed to it being something mm -hmm. that a body can give to you or take yeah. away from you? Take away. Mm -hmm. Very good point. One of the things, one of the things along those, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Along, you're good. The, along those lines, one of the things that Roosevelt used to say was um, it, it, there was very much, um, people would tout the golden rule, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. And what he started coining was what he called the platinum rule, treat others as they wish to be treated. So making a distinction between yourself and what you need and being tuned into what other people need for themselves. And so equal treatment is not necessarily equitable treatment because some people need things that are different from others. Uh, and I think that that nuance of difference is is troublesome when when people are it, it's easier to say well let's treat everybody the same um but everybody that that you know forces the idea that everybody is the same right that goes know? back to that point say, right right and to say everybody's not the same is not a good thing, you know? Right. And so, but then why are we, you know, it, it's true that everybody's not the same and we would not really want everybody to be the same, but that's easier to get a hold of, you know, that's easier to grasp than to, to, to focus on the infinite number of differences that each person brings to the table, even yeah, in so just that, one that kind of, And then that took you to the conversation of inclusion, right? So we all want to be included. We all have different needs and we need we need to have them met in a different way. So even right. though I may, I may have the same need, I may need education, I may not need, need education until, you know, two years from now where someone else needs it right away, or I may right. not need to. So I may need the same things, maybe need not at the same time, or I may need it a different way because of my abilities or disabilities or because of, you know, my uh, lens that I see things and I may need to have it presented to me in a different way. So even though I may need the, the same resource, I may need it in a different way, delivered in a different right. approach. So now we're talking about that individuality around inclusion. So we've kind of evolved. Exactly. Every time we have a discussion, it's like, oh my gosh, now you want to be 
You want it included. You want it your way. First, you want to be at the table. Now, yeah. you want it, now here you want it to be, you know, you can have a voice too. Come on, people. What, what, now you want to have a sense of belonging. This is just continuing on. So it is complex, right? And it, it has is very complex. Yeah. So each conversation takes us to another another point. Yeah. So what, what do you have to add to our conversation, Ruben? We kind of. I'm just I'm just taking it all in because I'm I'm resonating with everything that Elizabeth's saying and that April said and, and you Val. You know, it's I might table the subject of, you know, legislation. And I would hope that one day we could be equitable or equal. Uh, we're far from that. But if I'm being honest, I don't even know that corporate America understands what equity is you know we're so stuck on trying to achieve equality in society that i don't know that we can achieve equity in corporate america but the aspiration to do just that is is what's is what's going to you know progress an organization and so when i think of equity in in the before you go to explain why you don't think corporate America can get there. I don't, I know you like, don't do that, but I, I, I want to <laughs> get some more context. I want some more context behind that statement. Cause as our <laughs> listeners are hearing that, I want to make sure that people hear the, the reason why you said you feel that way. Well, you know, we will never achieve equity and we don't, we'll never achieve equity in society. We'll never achieve equity in corporate America. It's just, it's just not feasible, but we can strive to, you know, update our policies and our practices and, you know, be diligent about change management practices whenever necessary. And, and, and really try to instill that the organization stands for equity. And although we may not achieve it, we're going to keep moving toward that line. You know, the reality is that in business, you know, there's there's a dollar to be made there is there you know we're in business for business and i think it's just it's almost they almost conflict with each other and so it's it's so you're saying that it's, it's something that we're always going to strive for we're always right? going yeah. to strive yeah. For. Yeah. always a needle moving right so no matter yes. where we are the more we grow the more we're going to need to get to equity, right? So equity is always that moving target. So you never kind of get there because the more you you identify the complexity of this thing, equity becomes an, 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 a target because Absolutely. we're further away. Is that what, okay, gotcha. And to your comment of well, you wanted a seat at the table and now you want to partake in the conversation and now you want to engage in making a decision. Well, yes, and that will continue to evolve. Right. And that's what organizations that are striving toward equity are doing right they're 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 evolving the way in which they engage their employees yeah. and how they think about this concept of a if of a work life balance if that's even a thing anymore cuz you know I'm working 24/7 yeah. i guess at times um but it's it's being okay with that being comfortable with that and then understanding that as an organization you have to evolve you are no longer just the paycheck you know, so often you're the safe haven, so often you're the beaking light, so often you're going against, you know, the political or policies, you know, within a, a certain country or region. So I think with, you know, when we think about equity, I would hope that we would stop throwing it around and stop putting it in our labels and, and stop saying, we're not just diversity and inclusion anymore, we're diversity, equity and inclusion. I would hope that organizations are taking a step back and really grasping the gravity of that word 
and making steps toward that and understanding that it's okay that we're not going to get there, but the journey and staying on that path is what's important. You know, you're so right because equity, um, being equitable is a moving target. It's, it's, it's not a standard, it's not an end point. You know, it continues with whatever challenge arises. It's a mindset. It's a, you know, so it, getting to that is it, always so interesting to me um, when we have, um, it, you know, we have efforts that we think, and I remember people would say, well, when are we going to know? How do we know if we're there? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're, you're always there. You know, and you're never there. You know, it's a journey. Exactly. You're always you're never there. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's you. You have opportunities. You will have continuing, continuing opportunities to be there for any given particular situation. But you have to know what it looks like when you're there, so so that you know. And and when you're there, it's you realize it's being in that place where your, your policies are consistent with your practices and behaviors. And, and, and that is so not the case. I mean, we have great policies and where the law comes in, we have great policies that certainly adhere to what the law says, but practices and behaviors, the day-to-day how we do things around here is really where the rubber meets the road. You know, it's really yes. where you see or don't see equitable behavior. And um, so it's the addition to, right, that you know, okay, it's, it's shifted. And so now we need to shift as well. So it continues to move. So, you know, the communities that are coming forward now that are, are, are concerned with the way they're being treated and concerned with the way that they're being involved or excluded out of uh, things, you know, the women who, who feel like their rights are being violated, all of those things as those shift, so does that equitable treatment, right? Exactly. And so the, the more we get that voice at the table, the more we hear that I need to add some more policies or look at different procedures or look at the ones that we have and see how to, so the evolution is really around, it, it, it's, it's, I love it that it's evolved, but I love the idea that we just said, it's not going to stop evolving. You're not going to no. get there. You are there now. And if you are, if you're doing the principles and the practices, this is as much there as you're going to get. And yeah. you're going to those same principles and practices tomorrow that you did today. It's almost like it, it, whatever you did today may not work tomorrow. So you got to evaluate sense. that with those same you lens. Have to, you have to keep. Right. Gotcha. right. You have to keep revisiting to see, are we still on track? You know, it's like you're going, you're going and driving across country and you're, you need to be on a certain road. You could easily go off that road without knowing that you've gone off the road. So you have to keep checking your location. You know, you have to keep seeing where are we now and, and given where we are now, what do we need to do to, to keep on the path that we are committed to so we can get, you know, keep going in the direction that we want to go in? 
What a conversation to have with our, our leadership teams. You're never going to get there. <laughs> well, and Val, you know, you bring a good point. And I don't say that to, you know, let the air out of the room or, you know, for those that are watching this later to feel as if, well, what's the point if we're not going to get there? It's because ask. so often, and I see it all the time, you know, you stand up a diversity council or you stand up an employee resource group and it's like, we're there, we're at equity and, you know, moving on, right? We've achieved it. Yeah. Or, you know, we, we have, you know, now 10% or 20% of women in leadership, like we're at equity, which by the way, isn't equity. It's 50, 50 in case you haven't done the math. Um, <laughs> and it's like, well, moving on now. Right. So I just, if organizations will treat DNI as they do their business, right? Check on in on it, foster it, grow it, make sure that, you know, we're, we're hitting um, targets. It would, it would in itself, I think, cultivate an inclusive culture, right? One where everyone really feels included, but we have to be comfortable with understanding that we're never going to be there and that's okay. But without a trying or continuing on that road, you know, we, we, you will get nowhere. In fact, you'll get left behind. So, yeah. So I encourage you all to continue on the road. <laughs> well, see, the thing, the thing about not, never getting there is it's like saying, when am I going to grow? You know, when will I be grown? Well, you, you, you grow, you continue to grow in some ways forever, ideally, you know, until you're done. And, and when you're done, you're done. You don't need to grow. There's <laughs> nothing to grow. But so it's kind of like that. It's an ongoing developmental um, process. And it's, it, you know, you could liken it to getting good at something. Yeah. Every professional, whatever, golfer, tennis player, whatever, they are continuing to learn the sport. They get coached about how they're doing in that way, you know, in that particular endeavor. And that's really what I think we're talking about when we talk about diversity management. It's like we have to keep learning because the differences that we encounter are going to continually be different. And so it's a matter of knowing how to manage differences that we have, we have I, I think part of the problem, um, you know, mentally when we think about it is that we we think of diversity and immediately go to issues of race and gender. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yet we are dealing with all kinds of diversity all the time. I mean, if you just, if you have more than one kid, even if you have one kid, if you have no kids, <laughs> you have a partner, you know, if you have a pet, you, you're dealing with diversity all the time. And so what we're saying about equity, what I'm saying, and I think what I've learned from Dr. Thomas is that when you think about managing diversity, that's managing any dimension of diversity that you encounter. And all of that dimension of diversity that you encounter is just different from what you were thinking it was. You know, you, you meet a person, you... You, you, you know, going to a new organization, you have a sense of or an idea of what this is like. And boom, yeah. that's not what I thought it was. How do you manage that? That's really, you know, that's the essence, I think, of what we're talking about. These mixtures, 
when April was telling us about mixtures of diversity, with each mixture, every time you get with it, it shifts. So does so does what we're doing all day, all day, every day, all day, every day. To me, it's a capability, and this is how we talked about it. It's a it's diversity management capability, and so it's a capability. To Ruben's point about you don't say, okay, I have that capability. I have to keep building on that capability because that capability gets challenged in different ways mm-hmm. th- that I, you know, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. But if I know how to do it, if I know how to manage, then I say, oh, okay, I can apply these principles to this new challenge and figure out how to make it work. I need to get a different nail, but you still use a hammer and use do a different, <laughs> different tool. Let me get back in my toolbox. See how to handle yes, it. Yes, yes. You go back to your toolbox. Jump in, April. I see you. I see you leaning forward. Jump in, April. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I think with Elizabeth's example, like I one two things, like we don't we often like you said, Ruben. We're like, okay, we have X percentage, we're good, but we never say that about our bottom line okay we've reached a million dollars we're good exactly. we don't need to do any more exactly. than that so we're not going to ever push more no, no. Right. <laughs> yeah. we're always pushing we never and it's not a matter of settling it's just like i think humanity our drive is to for more to mm-hmm. improve to build that's what we're made to build and so we build in every area except when it comes to diversity is we don't build in that we build to a certain limit and that's enough and i think the second thing because of that I think a key point comes to what Elizabeth said, the capability. When I think about adding equity and then we we add these different aspects of what we realize, okay, we're short in this area. I think if you have a capability, that can incorporate the what you don't know yet because it's a principle. Mm-hmm. Principles right. don't change. And right. so if you have this principle, so like I think I'm a musician here. It's my piano player, my piano here. I started on classical, like, you know, little kid classical. Then I went to classical. I still knew how to play the piano. Then I went to jazz. Then Mm -hmm. I went to contemporary Christian. Then like, sometimes I might do a little bit of rock. Sometimes I might just do like some meditative kind of woo woo kind of stuff, but it's all still music. It's all still the same 12 notes and they're just put into a different order. There's going to be some other type of music that's going to come out that I've never heard of, but I can still learn it because it's still just these 12 notes basically. And they're just put in a different order, different style, different rhythm. That's the same thing with diversity. I think there's, a, if you look at it from a mixture perspective, anything that comes across your path, you can deal with it as opposed to, okay, now we got to learn about race. Now we got to learn about gender. Now we got to learn about sexual orientation. I'm like, that's so overwhelming for, um, or now, never mind just the human demographics. Then you do have, so like in Ruben's case, you said uh, you shared that you, your organization is international. You've got country after country after country that you have to deal with in terms right. of how do you navigate those three differences. If you're trying to, granted, there are nuances, you know, just yeah. like with a car, if you're learning how to drive a car, there are nuances depending on the type of car that it is. You know, is it a manual? Is it a stick shift? Uh, is it an automatic? Is it a luxury car? Is it a truck? Is it a motorcycle? There are all types of, but this principles of insert key, steer, gas, brakes. And so that's, I think if we could expand our understanding of what we're dealing with when it comes to diversity, that it's not just, yes, you need to look at race and gender and these human demographics, and you also need to realize that you're looking at it when you're looking at it from an um, organizational perspective. Where do you want to be five years from now? You need to have, that's a mixture that you're looking at. 
you need principles that can help you do that. And I think if we could have that perspective, that would make this process, to your point, we're not, we never, like Elizabeth said, both of you said, we're never going to get there, but we're there in process. Yeah. And it would make it a lot easier to, yeah. to navigate and to hold all of that. The whole context around it takes away the, compl the complexity of it. So no matter what the diversity is and no matter where we're trying to do in terms of an equi uh, equitable treatment, if we right. apply the same principles in, in those situations, yeah. then we're there as much as we can be there. Yeah. You know, you're there for now. You're there in the moment. And tomorrow you got you to gotta play the same you gotta game. Be right? somewhere, yeah, you got to do yeah, something start else. That car again. Just because I got to point A, it's not, I, okay, I got to start that car again and get back on the journey. And so we've got to keep that in mind. You guys... I wish we could continue on this conversation, but I've got people behind me telling me, you know, it's. Oh, it's time already. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing, right? Can, can we wrap this up? They love the conversation, and we're very excited. If you could, if you could feel the energy in the room, um, I know you guys are remote, but it, it, everybody is excited about hearing what you all said. I can't uh, imagine how helpful this is going to be to just not the leaders, but uh, in in this space around diverse equity inclusion, the leaders who are trying to to navigate a diverse workforce um, that has very needs, a lot of needs and a lot of requirements and a lot of expectations of the workforce and the workplace and the leaders that they've never had before. And so these types of conversations certainly do help people to feel a little bit more relaxed about it, to know that it is complex. And perhaps I'm not ever going to get to a Z journey because I'm always going to be on this. And hey, on I've got journey. space to grow. I've got space to learn and I've got space to keep it going. So I hope we all stay connected. Uh, I hope that if, if we've said something to you as a listener, that you will make sure you share this with others and make sure that other people are connected with, with uh, Dr. Holmes and, and April Thomas and even Ruben uh, as some support for you. But most of all, we hope that you tap into Essence Learning that you will uh, look at for us on your website. We're always having these conversations and can put you in touch with the right people to help you in your workforce. Thank you all. Gosh, Elizabeth, I see Ruben quite a bit. So it's, well, probably not as much as I like to, but I do see Ruben a little bit more than I've seen April and Dr. Thomas, uh, April, Dr. Thomas, Dr. <laughs> um, so I would, I would love to connect with you guys uh, again soon, but thank you all for your time. Thank and you I so much for inviting thank me. You. Thank you. A lot, of fun, a lot of fun. Take good care of yourselves. I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you for joining Perspectives, a podcast by Essence Learning LLC. Essence Learning is your solution to personal and professional development. We partner with our clients to develop a learning strategy that will increase productivity, enhance performance, and align with their purpose and goals. For more information visit us online at essencelearning.net or call us at 1-877-657-5755.